0: The scriptures, as Adam told the children, we are in the 11th chapter of John. What has happened is Jesus' good friend, Lazarus, um, is ill. Jesus delays a few days, then goes, and he is met by Mary and Martha, who both tell him independently that Lazarus is dead. And if he'd only been there, uh, it would not have happened. And so he goes toward the tomb, and that's where we pick up the story in verse 35. Jesus wept. And so then the Jews said, "See how much he loved them, but others who were standing nearby said, "Why could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have not kept this man from dying?" Then deep Jesus, deeply troubled again, went uh, to uh, the tomb, and he said, uh, "The tomb was rather the tomb was a cave with a large stone around the entrance, and then he said Move away the stone. But Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, "Uh, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been in there for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God. And so they moved the stone, and then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, I thank you for hearing my prayer. I know that you are always hearing me, but I've said this for the benefit of those who are standing here, that they may see that you have sent me. And then he said in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Now he was still, uh, his hands and his feet were still covered with a linen cloth. And there was um, a grave cloth over his face as well. And Jesus then said, take off his grave clothes and set him loose. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. At the 8.30 service, as I was in the middle of the scripture reading, suddenly I just drew a blank. Fortunately, I usually carry my scripture cards with me. So I was able to pull them out, but um, that's kind of a problem because I was going to try to tell you this morning that scripture memory is not all that hard. And uh, and that you can do it. And in fact, I want to practice with you. And here's the... uh, uh, here's the assurance, the 8.30 service did it, so I know you can too. I, I bet you already know some scripture, you probably know uh, good parts of the 23rd Psalm. Most of us who've uh, watched football games at some point have looked up John 3.16 and we know that as, um, as well, uh, but here's another one and we're going to memorize it this morning and I know you can do it because they, the ones who were here before you could do it. So here it is, John 11.35, are you ready? I want you to repeat after me, Jesus wept. You did it, John eleven thirty-five. Now you've got another verse in your repertoire. And what an important verse to have, because what's interesting is in the Gospel of John, you rarely ever see Jesus look like things might be surprising him or somehow be out of his control. And in the Gospel of John, we see Jesus on a, on a mission and a journey, and he knows where he's going. He knows what's ahead of him, and he's so clear about all of it. Until we get to this point, And he weeps. And so that raises, I think, the question that the Bible wants us to raise this morning, which is, and which Adam raised with the children. Why did he weep? Well, I think there's a lot of possibilities. The first one is the Jews who were standing nearby said, well, see how much he loved Lazarus. But here's what you need to know about the Gospel of John. The Jews are always wrong. Now that's not an anti-Semitic statement because in our day you could pull out Jews and put in church, but basically they watch Jesus and never can quite figure out what he's doing. So that's probably not why he's crying. And if he was so concerned about Lazarus, why did he stall two days before he made the journey to Bethany when he heard that Lazarus was sick? And in fact, he had told his disciples that Lazarus is just sleeping and that he will come to life. So I don't really think that's the reason why is this Jesus weep here well some think he weeps because Mary and Martha are weeping I mean both of them met them at different times the exact same words came out of their mouths Lord if you'd only be here and they had been here and they're broken up over the death of their of their brother and 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 you know that when you love somebody what hurts them uh, actually hurts you maybe even in a deeper way you you take their pain if you could But you can't, and so it's so hard for you to watch them hold their pain, and maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe. Or maybe Jesus uh, weeps because death makes him sad. Uh, Death is not Jesus' friend. Jesus has come to conquer death, and so in the presence of death, maybe Jesus is just moved emotionally There's another possibility that some scholars suggest, which is, I think, interesting. And that is that the moment that Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb, he is putting himself in the tomb. Because once you perform a miracle like that, you are a marked man. Among the Jewish leaders, among the Romans, uh, they will want to do away with Jesus. And, by the way, Lazarus as well. And so maybe like a Garden of Gethsemane moment, Jesus knows, "Ah, I don't want to do this because I know what's going to happen if I do it. I think those are all good possibilities. But my favorite one is the one that Adam shared with the children, which is, and and as someone who teaches and someone who's uh, been a parent, I I mean, I get this one. And that is Jesus Christ because they just don't get it. He looks Mary and Martha and they've, they've missed it. The ones who are closest to Jesus who ought to know what he's about and what he can do. They miss the whole thing. They both say to him, you know, if you'd have been here, you could have done something about it. And the implication is so now you can't do anything about it because it's too late. They don't recognize his power over death. Nor do they recognize when they grieve over their lost brother that actually their attempts to hold on to their brother in this life may be preventing their brother from another existence that Jesus knows about, but about which they have no idea, which is actually a a higher and better level of existence, this life after death that, that we will be raised to one day. So I think Jesus looks at and and I think he cries over their misunderstanding. They don't get him and what he can do. And they also don't get what is after death, which is so much better than actually this life. I'm reminded of the story of two twins that are in the womb. And it's about time to be delivered. and, uh, And they're talking about whether or not they want to come out. And so one twin finally says to the other, you know, I am pretty sure it's pretty much the same out there as it is in here. Let's just stay here where it's comfortable. Well, we know about as much about what happens past this life as the twin in the womb know what's going to happen after their birth. And, And in so many ways, we miss it, and that must make Jesus sad at so many levels. I thought about something, you, you may have seen this video, I think it's from Russia, it took place a few weeks ago. It, it looks like it's either a housing complex, apartment complex of some kind, and it's got like an iron uh, iron rod gate, and the bars are about mm, this far apart from each other. And there's apparently a guy that has been inside the complex and wants out. And he's trying to get out through the iron gate, and you can watch him try to squeeze it, and he can't make it. And so he pulls and extricates himself, and he puts himself back in, squeezes again, and and why the camera person doesn't help, I don't know, but they keep filming this, and and then he decides that's not going to work. He finally frees himself, and so he's back, he thinks about it again, decides he'll climb over it. Well, as you may know, they have these sharp, Little pointy rods at the at the top, and so his efforts um, to climb over are not very successful. He gets kind of up there and gets stuck, and he goes back down. He gets up again, he gets injured, comes back down, and the whole time the camera's in on him as he tries to figure out how to to get through this thing. And then all of a sudden, the camera shifts about fifteen feet away, and you see a kid on a bicycle on the outside of the fence get off his bike. And walk through a gate that's about this wide, 15 feet away from where the guys have been trying to go through the fence. And just goes right through. And I think sometimes when Jesus watches us clutch and hold and grab and manipulate and do everything we can to hold on to this existence. It must be sad at some level because he knows there's a bigger, wider, better way for life. And I think that saddens him. That Mary and Martha and those who know him have missed it. But I also think something else saddens him as well. And, and I figured this out when I, I thought about what happened. Jesus goes to the tomb, calls Lazarus out, and he comes out. But what's interesting is Jesus doesn't whisk Lazarus away and take him to this wonderful new heavenly existence. Lazarus stays right here on this earth for this life. And then I began to wonder if Jesus is sad sometimes because we don't understand the miracle that is life after death. But I also think he's equally sad that we don't understand the miracle that is life before death. What he can do by coming into our life right now while we are alive. Lazarus still has time to live. And Jesus is going to give him that life. And can you imagine what that life must be like after you've already been dead and you've faced that and now you come back? He knows that nothing will hold him down. And I think Jesus understands that he is here to give resurrection and life, not just after death, but before death as well. And that our lives ought to be different because of his presence, not just in some future time, but be different right now. I love what Dallas Willard says about Mary and Martha. He said, they think of heaven as some place far away and far off in time. Oh, we know that Lazarus will rise, they said, in that day. And so it's like everything that Jesus can come and do is for some far away moment. And Jesus, I think, wipes a tear from his eye thinking, uh, I can do something right now. This life can be different. I think this life can be different. And I think because he has died and risen and is with us now, that we can live lives that are free of fear and guilt and anxiety. And when we don't, I think, I, I think that causes him to weep. Because he is not just for life after death, but life before death. And he is here now with us. And, and the fact that he's resurrected ought to make some sort of difference. And you know, of course, on Friday, the San Antonio tradition of, um, of the passion of Christ. And, and uh, they celebrate the passion uh, through the streets and end up at San Fernando Cathedral. Well, we're not the only town or city that has that. I read uh, several years ago about a little town that had their own passion play on on Good Friday, but they came up with a great idea. They thought it would be a good idea if they asked the town ruffian, you know, the town 'er ne'er-do-well that's kind of been in and out of trouble his whole life, they would ask him to play Jesus. And they thought, you know, maybe by playing Jesus in this play it would rehabilitate him. You know, give him kind of a new outlook on on things. And, you know, it worked. He showed up for all the practices. He learned what he was supposed to do. And when he was supposed to do it, he participated enthusiastically. And so when the day came, he's carrying his cross and the crowd is cheering. And he's doing wonderfully, stumbling at the appropriate times, gathering himself at the appropriate time, And as he's moving through the street, though, one guy that's known him from a long time back, kind of a, a wimpy guy. Decides this is his chance at the town ruffian And so he gets in his face to taunt him And then spits on him He spits on Jesus Suddenly the passion play stopped Jesus put the cross down Turned around, looked at the man that spit on him And pointed and said I'll be back for you after the resurrection (laughs) Well Part of me wonders if he had really taken the resurrection seriously. The resurrection not only changes us after this life, but it changes us during this life as we live lives that are free and joyful. And loving because we know there is no force on heaven or earth that can stop us and keep us away from the love of Christ. I read this week about an interesting guy I'd heard about for years. He's a famous leader in the early church. And apparently when he was a little boy, he heard John speak in Ephesus, the disciple John, and would follow him around. And he grew up and became a bishop in the church. And he ran afoul of the Roman government uh, and they arrested him. And they ask him to recant his faith in Christ. And if not, they would kill him. Well, he refused to recant. And so they tied him to a stake. And they set him on fire. Problem was, he wouldn't burn. And so they get more chances to ask him to recant. And he says this while he is, has fire all around him. And he's not burning. And he says, Christ has not left me in 80 years, why would I leave him? And finally, since he will not burn, the Roman soldiers take their swords and their spears and they run him through. But when I think about him and how probably 70 years earlier he watched this old man, John, the disciple who had seen Jesus rise from the dead, and I get the sense that he must have known Of the power that comes not only after we die, but the power that comes for our living from Christ. So my question this morning, I guess, is, does it make any difference? Is your life any different because of the resurrection? Not years from now, but right now. And then I would wonder this. Is the life different from anybody you know because of the resurrection? See, what's fascinating about the story is Lazarus comes back to life, but he doesn't get to go anywhere until they take the clothes, the grave clothes off him. Jesus says, take the clothes off and set him free. And sometimes I wonder if the Easter message to us is not just, I'm alive forever, you'll be with me forever. I'm alive in your life right now. You can live free and joyful. But I think the message is also, what about other people? Are you going to help them? Or are they going to stumble around like the mummy? What are you going to do? I think that one of the interesting things is that Paul wrote an entire chapter about resurrection. And, but he ends it this way when talking about the certainty of the resurrection, how important it is. And then he says, I don't know what kind of body you're going to have. It's probably going to be. And he describes something that's appropriate for whatever our existence is. And then he closes it with this verse. Therefore, brothers and sisters, he said... Be steadfast and movable and don't miss any opportunity to do the Lord's work and to do good things because it will not be in vain. I think that's such an amazing closing sentence. I would have described the resurrection, got everybody to believe in it, talk about how wonderful it is, and I would say, hang in there, it's coming. One day. But that's not what he says. He says, because of the resurrection, get out and help other people. I think when we don't believe in the resurrection and what it could mean, For our life after this life, I think that causes Jesus to have a tear. I think when we miss the difference that it makes for our life now, I think it causes him a tear. And when we miss that we who have benefited from the resurrection miss the fact that we could help others share those benefits, well, I think that makes him cry too.